Hey there. Uh, hey, I want to take just a moment and walk you through one strategic change that we are making here at Grace Hill Church in the area of how our church's finances are structured. And then I want to give you a preview of how that change impacts our budget planning process for 2021 and what our budget for 2021 will actually look like. So the strategic change is this. Uh, beginning January 2021 of this year, we, uh, the elders and the finance team, work together to uh, ch- uh, change how our fiscal year year is structured. Uh, In the past, our fiscal year has been January to December. Uh, Now we're making that change to where that fiscal year will begin in July. And there's a few reasons why we're making this change and making this change now. One is in the immediate uh, future, this allows us to better prepare, better respond, better react to uh, the ever-changing needs that uh, are happening right now in the world around us as it relates to uh, being a church in the midst of a global pandemic. And so there's, as you know, uh, it's been hard to tell exactly what next week, next month, and certainly next year will look like. So this kind of puts us on a little bit shorter runway for this year so we can get through the next few months and then be able to maybe accurately forecast a little bit better about moving beyond the middle of this year and how that will look like regarding our budget. Um, In the long term, Uh, This change will better stabilize our financial position as a church because now we don't have to rely as heavily on year-end giving to meet our budget needs for the year. This actually gives us a little bit of room to be able to respond because if year-end giving is up, man, that's great. We we start the year really, really strong with cash position. Uh, We start the year strong going in ahead of budget maybe, Uh, whereas in the past, we've kind of needed year-end giving in most cases to help us meet budget for the year. So this actually gives us a little bit more runway in planning and and reacting and responding to giving trends and then but the more important reason we're making this change is the majority of our ministry programming here at Grace Hill really operates around a school calendar cycle family ministry adult ministry compassion ministry all of these heavily depend upon kind of what's happening with the school calendar year and then we plan according to that and so by making this change in this way we are actually positioning our church's finances to better respond to those needs throughout the calendar year set up this way. So to help us make this change, what we've done is we've developed a six-month budget. Uh, It's an expense-based budget that will carry us through the end of June, and then on June 13th or around June 13th, we will present to you a budget for the 2021-2022 budget year. So the budget for these first six months of 2021 is uh, $220,300. Now, it's important to remember that uh, this is an expense-based budget, and we want to encourage everybody, everybody watching right now, we want to encourage everybody at uh, Grace Hill to begin to give uh, and certainly, certainly, if everyone at Grace, uh, two things. One, I want you to pray about how you're going to commit to give to this budget, not only in the short term, but in the long term. And then the other thing I want you to begin to do, if you if you would like to, is you can go to gracehill901.com slash budget and actually see a breakdown of what that looks like on, on our on our webpage. And, uh, and then from there, if you're not giving, you can actually click a link that's right on that page. You'll be taken, uh, you'll be taken to another part. Part of our site that will actually help you set up a uh, online giving profile and you can begin to step in live generously uh, today um, here's another thing next week 
Next week, we will be casting vision for phase two of our For the Future campaign. God did so much through you and through your generosity in the last campaign. We cannot wait to share with you all that we believe God is leading us to accomplish through your generosity, partnering together with all of our church family in this next round of the campaign. So head over to gracehill901.com budget to see a, a, a more detailed breakdown of that. Uh, you can head over to gracehill901.com give to begin to give and uh, pray about how you're going to contribute to helping us not only meet but exceed uh, our budget needs this year and how you're going to contribute to the For the Future campaign. Thanks so much. I want to ask you a question. What are you tempted by the most in your life right now? Think about it just for a minute. What are you tempted by the most in your life right now? Maybe it's that Valentine's Day candy you got on cl in the clearance aisle the day or two after Valentine's this last week. I know we had to make a run to the store midweek uh, in order to pick up some necessities. And, and I'll be honest, I went to the Valentine's Day candy aisle and I, I grabbed a few bags of that 70% off candy and the, the, the candy drawer here at the house. It's been tempting me all week long. Uh, you know, maybe for you, it's just, you know, binge watching a Netflix show. It's, man, it's just every night. It's like you just want to unplug and unwind. And so you just go back and you just grab the remote and it's, you know, it's, it's Hulu or it's uh, Netflix or it's Disney Plus. I don't know, whatever show it might be for you, uh, but you're just tempted in that way. You know, it's, maybe it's a way that it recharges you, but you're, you're still tempted in that way. Um, for some of us, though, we might actually be wrestling through a season in our life where we are being tempted by things that we know are destructive for our life. And not only are they destructive in our life, but they're destructive uh, in the lives of the people that we care about the most around uh, each of us. So let me ask you again, what is the thing in your life that you are tempted by the most right now? Would you be surprised if I told you that Jesus was tempted? Yeah, Jesus was tempted. Hebrews 4 actually tells us something pretty remarkable. Hebrews 4 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are. And this is the difference between us and Jesus when it comes to temptation. The writer of Hebrews says, Yet without sin. Jesus never sinned even when he was tempted, and he was tempted in every way. So let me ask you again, what is the thing in your life that you are most tempted by right now? You see, the struggle with temptation is this, is that when we give in to temptation, we can be led, even sometimes when we give in to what we would think are small temptations, we can be led down all sorts of unhealthy paths and arrive at destinations we never intended to arrive at. And the good news for you and I today is this, is that Jesus was tempted. And we're going to look at this passage in Matthew 4 where Jesus was tempted. And we can find hope and we can find help from looking at the temptation of Jesus. So we're going to be in Matthew 4. I want to invite you to grab your, uh, you know, your Bible, get it up on a Bible app, whatever it may be. And I want to show you three ways that Jesus was tempted and show you one way that he combated this temptation and we can find hope and help from the story of Jesus and his temptation. So I want to read it for us. Just walk us through it. Uh, Matthew 4, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. 
after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Now, it's important to remember the context of this. Jesus had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The, the, the dove came down out of heaven and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. I mean, this amazing moment for Jesus. And then he's immediately led out into uh, the wilderness to be tempted. Verse 3, then the tempter approached him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He answered, It is written, Man must not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is also written, Do not test the Lord your God. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. Verse 9, and he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will fall down and worship me. Verse 10, then Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels began to serve him. Jesus was tempted in three ways. The, the first way was this. We could describe it. We could kind of boil it down in this way is that Jesus was tempted was to shortcut God's plan. He was tempted to use gifts for selfish purposes. He was tempted in the area of reckless pride. And he was tempted in the area of shortcutting God's plan. Jesus is hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days. And the enemy comes. The tempter comes. The devil comes and says to him, turn these rocks into bread. Become your own provider. Use the gifts that you have been given for your own selfish purpose. But you got to understand, you got to remember that Jesus was taken off into the wilderness. Yes, for, for, him to, um, uh, for him to ultimately be tempted and tested in this way. But Jesus also was taken off into the wilderness so that he could experience what it was like in this moment to be hungry. I mean, think about that. Jesus was hungry. He was lonely. He was hot. He was parched. Just like there have been times where you and I have been. This is Jesus, maker, savior of the world. But not only that, he was taken off into the wilderness. Why? To rely on the Father, to rely on the Spirit, to rely on the strength that he would get coming, knowing that he was dependent. And then also he was humbled in this way. Remember, Jesus stepped out of heaven and stepped into earth, and now he's in the wilderness. Now he's he's hungry. Jesus, Savior, creator of the world, is hungry. And the enemy comes to him and says, hey, turn these stones, turn them into bread. And Jesus was tempted in this moment. The temptation was to use his gifts for selfish purposes. Then we see that Jesus is taken up to the the pinnacle of the temple, the very top of the place of God. This is above all the ordinances. This is above all the smells. This is above all the traditions. This is above all the people that might be milling around there in the temple that day. And the enemy, the tempter, Satan, takes him up to this place. He takes him up and he says, throw yourself down. And the enemy uses scripture in this moment against Jesus. He says, the enemy, the tempter, Satan says, for it is written. And this is the temptation of reckless pride. Another way maybe of saying it is this. 
you know you can, so why don't you? Or you know you could, so you should. Or maybe another way to say it is, I know I could do it, now I should do it. It's reckless pride. And then lastly, they go up to a very high mountain. Here the enemy tempts Jesus with all the kingdoms, all the riches, all the treasure of the world. But here is the catch. In order for in this moment for Jesus to receive that and get that, he's got to shortcut the plan of God. You say, what does that mean? Well, here's what it means. is We know from Scripture that every knee will bow. Every kingdom will bow to Jesus. Jesus will take control. Jesus will have all the kingdoms of the world bow to him. Why? Because scripture tells us that. Scripture tells us that in the end, Jesus wins the day. But in this moment, the enemy comes to Jesus and tempts Jesus. The enemy comes to Jesus and says, hey, I know and you know that you've got to go to the cross. You've got to die a sinner's death on that cross. You've got to die an embarrassing death on that cross. You've got to die an abusive death on that cross. You've got to go into the, into the tomb. And Jesus knows that gloriously, triumphantly, three days later, he's going to rise again. That's God's plan. And Jesus knows that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, that all the kings and the kingdoms will bow down to him. But in this moment, the tempter comes to Jesus and says, let's shortcut that plan. Let's go around all that pain. Let's go around all that suffering. Let's shortcut the plan of God. All you've got to do is bow down and worship me. And all these kings, all these kingdoms, all these riches, all these things that you're going to already get, they'll be at your disposal right now. The temptation here was not for Jesus to get something that he otherwise wouldn't get. The temptation here was to shortcut the plan of God. Now, I'm going to guess that you've already seen a few areas in the temptation of Jesus that resonate with you. That you look at and you say, ah, you know, I'm kind of tempted to use, you know, my gifts, talents, abilities, whatever it may be for selfish gain, for selfish purposes. Uh, There have been some instances of maybe some reckless pride in my life. And there have certainly been some instances where I've been tempted to shortcut the plan of God in my heart and in my life. I could list a handful of ways that I have certainly been tempted uh, in this area uh, through my life, even just this week. I mean, we, we can all identify with this, I'm sure. So how did Jesus combat these temptations? Well, a passage of scripture that we looked at in week two of this sermon series uh, in Psalm 119.11 says this, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Jesus was alone, but he didn't fight these temptations alone. Jesus fought these temptations. He fought uh, the enemy that was tempting him with what? He fought this temptation. He fought these temptations with Scripture. Every time the tempter came to him, Jesus replied with Scripture. So here's what I've been challenging myself with this last week. If scripture was good enough for Jesus, if Jesus in this moment where he was, he was tired, he was hungry, he was, he was, you know, physically he was weak, he was maybe emotionally vulnerable. If scripture in Jesus's moment of temptation was good enough for him to combat his fear or his temptation, it should be good enough for me. Willpower alone for me will not sustain me in temptation and it probably won't sustain you. 
So let's look at the response from Jesus. And what I want to do is I want to read the response from Matthew 4, but then I actually want to give you the reference of Scripture that Jesus was quoting. The first response from Jesus, he says this, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's Deuteronomy 8, 3. Then the, the second temptation that comes where, where the enemies takes, him up, takes uh, Jesus up to the, the pinnacle of the temple and says, throw yourself off. Jesus replies this way, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. That's Deuteronomy 6, 16. And then the last temptation, this tempt written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's Deuteronomy 6.13. So the challenge I want you to accept today in your moment of temptation, in your moment of weakness, in your moment where maybe it's to use your, your gifts and your talents, your purpose for your own selfish gain, maybe it's uh, you know this moment of reckless pride in your life, or, or, or maybe it's just simply to shortcut the plan of God that you know to be true. Here's the challenge I want you to accept in your life today. Have a for it is written moment in your life the next time you're tempted. That's it. Have a for it is written moment in your life the next time you're, te you're tempted. I'll tell you the number one thing I'm tempted with in my life. I'm tempted by in my life. And that is the temptation of cynicism. The, the temptation for me right now is to be so cynical in nearly every area of my life. It is a daily, I promise you this, it is a daily struggle for me. It's a daily struggle with, with you know, even in email conversations, text messages, phone calls that I have with people that call, people call and, and ask me questions or different things. It's a temptation when I see things on social media or hear about things in the news cycle. Uh, it's even a temptation for me right now. This is how much cynicism is, is, is kind of warring in my soul. Cynicism is so bad that even sometimes when I read scripture, I'm cynical. But here's what I know to be true. The only way in my life right now to combat that cynicism is for me to have a for it is written moment. So how am I doing it? I'll tell you how I'm doing it, how I'm fighting it. It's a daily battle. But how I'm fighting it right now is I'm just reading through the Gospels. I'm seeing Jesus. I'm seeing Jesus who had every reason to let cynicism grab hold of his heart. People didn't believe who he was. People were bringing uh, uh, sick people and hurting people to him for all the wrong reasons. The religious leaders who should have been the ones to clearly identify who Jesus was criticized him at every point in turn, tried to test him at every point in turn, and yet Jesus stayed humble. Jesus stayed kind. Jesus stayed loving. And I promise you, every page turn that I have as I'm seeing the life of Jesus, it fights the cynicism in my heart. So my challenge for you is this. Have a for it is written moment in your life when you're combating temptation. You know, last week we talked about this whole idea to build our life daily on a foundation of truth. And it's the same thing. Go back to that same idea. That we need our life to be built on a foundation of truth so that we can have a for it is written moment. You know, last week there was a website we put out there. gracehill901.com slash truth. And it's really just a jumping off place for you to begin to get some resources in your life, to read God's word every day, to study God's word every day, to just, to just have these for it is written moments in your heart and life every day. And I promise you this, as you grab hold of scripture, scripture will grab hold of you. 
And the next time you're tempted and you can recall or you have to grab your Bible app or go reach for a physical copy of the Bible and you fight that temptation with a for it is written moment, you will fight that temptation armed and properly equipped in those moments as a step to fighting the temptation in your heart and life. There's one more part of this passage, though, that I want to point your, your, your life to, and that is this. At the very end of this text of Scripture in verse 11, we get this. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and began to serve him. The angels served Jesus. I mean, think about that for just a minute. The angels served Jesus. But here's what I want you to know, is that in our moment of weakness, in our moment of struggle, in our moment of trial, as we're going to talk about next week, in, in those moments, guess what? Jesus has served us. Our greatest weakness that we had is that we were lost and broken and separated from God. The, the, the writer Paul, the apostle Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We had no hope. And yet Jesus, we learn this from the gospel writer. Jesus declared he didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus has served us. And how did he do that? He gave his life. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. He gave, a, he gave his life despite all the ways that we have failed him in the midst of temptation. And we've given into those temptations. And we've not built our life on a for it is written moment. Jesus serves us. And he served us in a way by giving us the good news of the gospel. By laying his life down on the cross for you, for humanity, for the world. So here's the way I want to end uh, our message time together today is that if you maybe uh, in your life, you have never had a moment where you've trusted Christ as your savior. You've never had a moment where you thought to yourself, man, Jesus, Jesus served me. He, he served me by giving up his life. I want to encourage you today to take that step to commit your life, to surrender your life to Jesus, to say, Jesus, your Lord, and I want to give my heart and my life and my soul to you. Maybe for you today, you've just lost sight of that. It's so easy even for me to do is to just lose sight of the reality that Jesus has served us in the greatest way, the greatest demonstration known to man by giving his life up. Start there. Come back to that place. Grab hold of that as you're fighting temptation in your life. Then Jesus came not to be served. Oh yeah, we serve Jesus out of the gratitude of our heart. But his motivation was not that. His motivation was to come to serve and to give his life up for a, as a ransom for humanity. I want to pray for you, and that's going to close the message time. Then Jeff and Hannah are going to lead us in another song. and I'm going to come back up after that song and give a couple of next steps. Let's pray together. Father, I love you. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your grace on our life. And I pray for everybody that's watching this right now that you would give them uh, the courage and the confidence to, 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 to create, to cultivate in their hearts, in their lives, a for it is written moment as they're fighting and warring and struggling with temptation. Jesus, thank you so much that you came, that you served us by giving us the good news of the gospel by laying your life down on that cross and by rising again gloriously three days later. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, do this for me. Uh, if you would like to continue this conversation just about your spiritual life, just where you are in Christ, email me at jason at gracehill901.com. I would love to be able to engage with you in that way and just help you take whatever next steps you need to take, get whatever resources uh, that you may need in your life to help you grow in your faith. Thanks so much. 
Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church, or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter.